Hi, this is Laurie Handler, and you're listening to Tantra Cafe, a program for spiritual enlightenment. Are you waiting to complete a goal to be happy, or waiting for the perfect job to be happy, or the perfect partner to be happy, or are you using food, drink, or drugs to be happy? How's that working for you? Have any of these external things, events, brought you lasting happiness? Maybe there's another way, the state of being happy for no reason. Some people are happy without a reason. They have a higher happiness set point than other people. But this is not totally genetics. For example, you can reset your own happiness point. It can be changed. Experts say that happy people are more fulfilled, relaxed, and peaceful, and they live longer and earn more money. Wow, wouldn't you want that? My guest today is going to tell us practical strategies to help you experience happiness from the inside out rather than from the outside in. Now that's a switch. My guest today is Michael Smith. He hosts the Sandbox Exploration Group in Washington, D.C., where people learn about honesty, tantra, and personal growth in a safe sandbox environment. He has also presented workshops at the Free Spirit Belting and Gathering Festival at the Dark Odyssey, Starwood, Loving More East and Loving More West, Poly Living, Building Bridges Conferences, and at the Community for Spiritual Living. Michael's a Reiki master, a Shambhala master, an EFT practitioner, and an honesty coach. Michael is also known as Michelle when he changes genders. So it seems like today we have two shows, one on happiness for no reason and the other on changing genders. This should be a good one. Hi, Michael. Hey, Laurie. Hey, great to have you on the show, finally. Yeah, I'm glad to be on. And uh, I'm looking forward to sharing these things with you. Fabulous. Well, listen, I just, you know, I don't know about you, but if you were listening and you heard this last part about switching genders, that would probably keep people, or me anyway, on my edge of my chair. So even though this show is really about being happy for no reason, I actually believe that being happy for no reason encompasses you in your lifestyle. You are an expert at being able to switch genders and also being happy. So maybe you could speak a little bit about that first. So just so people's curiosity, they're not having to think, think, think. Like, what? She said, what? So could you tell us a little about that? Well, I'd be happy to. I've been uh, switching genders for many years now. And I came out of the gender closet about uh, 10 years ago. And I'm out at work and uh, with my friends and family. And sometimes I'm Michael and sometimes I'm Michelle. So sometimes I'm some strange mix in between. So. <laughs> Michael, and I think, to be honest, we all have both genders in us. Um, it's just we don't usually show the other gender too much. So. so was it an easy thing for you to come out to all these people, your neighbors, your family, especially work? I no, was the hardest. I was scared shitless, I have to tell you. So um, I, I uh, remember speaking. I was in an honesty group at the time, and... Uh, I said I made a promise to them I'm going to come out to my family before the end of the year. Well, it was like, you know, half past eleven on December the thirty-first, and I still hadn't told them. And <laughs> kind of like, oh shit, I better get this over with, otherwise I'm breaking my promise. So, 
I, uh, I told them by handing them a booklet about uh, gender issues. I couldn't even get the words out of my mouth, but um, they were okay with it, so they didn't totally understand why I did it, but um, they accepted me for what I, I was, and it, you know, it maybe took a few years for them to finally, you know, get used to it, but uh, I'm not sure it's their preference, but hey, it's my preference, so that's what's important to me. Absolutely. That has to do with being happy for no reason, yeah? Yeah, because if I base my happiness on what other people are thinking or saying, uh, I'm going to be at the mercy of whatever's going on in their minds. And some people's minds are pretty crazy, so uh, uh, I think it's better to focus on my internal happiness and not base it on exterior things or other people's thoughts. And that took a lot of getting used to, because I was one of those people-pleasing people. Uh, you probably don't know anyone like that, right, Laurie? I know oh. so many people like that. It's beyond the beyond. Well, I used to be one of those people-pleasing people, and I still sometimes lapse back into that. You know, I probably should go to people-pleasing uh, holics anonymous or whatever. Oh, I'd like that. I would like that a lot. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. So part of this is uh, not having to please other people all the time, which doesn't mean to say I, I need to be mean, but I don't want to base what I do or say uh, on getting other people's approval. So I think that is uh, a pretty important way of uh, being happy um, in itself, not not being tied to what other people are thinking. Because to be honest, I, I don't really know what's in your mind anyway. And I, playing all these mind-reading games where I'm behaving based on what you might be thinking is a little nutso to start with. Absolutely. Listen, I want I, I mean, for the sake of whatever, I want to say I approve, even though you don't <laughs> want my approval. <laughs> I don't want your approval, Laurie. Take it back. <laughs> I actually approve of that. I cannot stand people being nice for the sake of being nice. I mean, I can stand them, but... It's so demeaning. It so takes away Rob's from their life force in the tantric sense to be nice, and it's not authentic. And right. I have to say that you're one of the most authentic people that I've ever met in my life, and I don't, we don't know each other that long. But your authenticity is just right there, straight right there. Well, thank you. I, I think authenticity helps uh, with being happy. Uh, if I get to express who my real self is, I, it certainly helps me feel happy. And also, I don't have to keep any stories straight, you know? Who did I tell this lie to or that lie to? That's so great. Now, do you feel that this nice thing had to do with being British? Uh, I think I definitely did get a fair dose of uh, be nice to people, be polite, keep your stiff upper lip, (laughs) stiff at all times. Uh, But it's kind of hard to smile if your upper lip is stiff, you know? (laughs) Let me ask you a couple more things about this gender switching because I I believe you're my first guest to ever readily state that. Although I I probably have had a few other guests who who came on that that wasn't they didn't that wasn't their thing that wasn't their topic or even if they did switch genders. Now this is very distinct. This is not the same thing as being gay. This is not the same thing as being a transsexual, like having an operation from one to the other. That's not even your desire. Am I correct? No, I don't need, I have no desire to physically change uh, my equipment. So, but, uh, you know, I feel my energy shifts uh, depending on which, you know, behavior I'm expressing. Well, so. in Tantra, that's really, I mean, that's actually a pretty good thing. In Tantra, we, we you, you know as well as I do that we learn to 
have our male energy and have our female energy and get them in balance. And it seems to me that what you're doing is probably getting them more in balance than most people who are just letting themselves do it on the inside. Yeah, I think it helps me to express on the outside uh, what I'm feeling on the inside. So uh, sometimes I'll wear a dress, sometimes I'll wear pants, you know. Sometimes I'll do makeup, sometimes I'll do my hair, though I have to admit, sometimes doing all that clothes and hair stuff can be a bit of a bother, so it's like nice to be able to say, hey, I'm not going to bother with that today. That's really great, and you know, most women can't do that. I know, it kind of sucks. <laughs> they can't say they can't bother with that. I actually can't say I can't bother with that. It's, it feels like a part of me is missing when I don't do all that stuff. Yeah. Well, other people might not approve of you if you didn't wear makeup, you know. <laughs> and you know what, Michael? What I would say to them, I don't care at all. I really don't care at all. So we're in the same boat as far as that goes. Why would I want to please them if I can't please myself? Yeah. And, you know, it, I get joy out of being attractive. Um, you know, I think most women do. Um, and a lot of men, I'd say most men get appreciation out of looking at beautiful things. So, you know, works pretty good on that level. So you get both. You get the best of both worlds. Get the best of both worlds. Why not? And I think if you look at younger people today, they, they may not be gender fluid or um, changing genders, but I think there is more merging of the genders uh, among younger people. So, you mean in how they dress? You mean in, in how, how they, they dress and how they act? You know, the younger men tend to be better listeners than older men. Right. Uh, tend to be more, you know, openly expressive of their emotions, and younger women tend to be more assertive and, uh, you know, happy to wear the pants. So. Well, at last, the changes that I wanted to take place in my world have seemed to have come into fruition. I wanted that, so, you know, I campaigned for that. I was one of the first starters in that, so thanks for affirming some goal that I had, which... I didn't know if it would ever be fulfilled, but it was. I was happy just working on it. Well, I think uh, it's going more and more in that direction. And as we come into the age of Aquarius, I think uh, femininity will become more important than, than it was in past years. Well, I'm hoping so. I'm really hoping so because I think that the survival of the planet rests in paying atten more attention to intuition and gut and heartfelt things, or even inner guidance, the whole Lottie Han thing, I think the planet is suffering from, from analysis paralysis. Yeah, and also, just coming back to the happiness thing, following your gut and intuition is a good way to be happier in your life. Right, right. Well, I want to just tell people, in, if, in case you just tuned in, you're listening to Tantra Cafe, a program for spiritual enlightenment. I'm Laurie Handler, your host. And today my guest is Michael Smith, who sometimes goes as Michelle. And we're talking about happiness for no reason, like not depending on something outside yourself, but looking within. So, Michael, what can you share with us? What kind of strategies can you talk to us about in terms of what it is to just be happy? Well, first of all, I just want to say uh, thanks to Marcy, Marcy uh, Shimoff, who wrote the book Happy for No Reason, just in case anyone wants to check that out further. And uh, some of the things, I think the most important thing to realize is that your happiness isn't, uh, you know, stuck 
at a particular level. It's almost like we have a thermostat for happiness inside us. And uh, one of the neat things that researchers of happiness, can you believe there are people who research happiness, Laurie? I'm, I'm glad to know that because there's so many people who write bad news in the paper and on the on newscasting. So it would be, it's so great to know that someone is paying attention to, hap, to the happy side of things. Yeah, I mean, it used to be psych, psychiatrists only looked at like the crazy people, but now in the last 20 years they've been studying the happy people to find out well what makes them happy. And uh, one of the things they realized is that if uh, you take someone, people generally have a, a level of happiness. You know, maybe they're typically a a uh, 5 out of 10 or a 9 out of 10 and if you take that person and something external like winning the lottery or getting married or whatever happens often their happiness will go up or if something bad happens like a car accident or losing their job maybe their happiness level goes down but if you look at them after a you know a few months or a year they're back where they were and it's almost like if you had a house and like it got hot that then the, the air conditioner came on and it brought it back down to the level of temperature or if it got cold you know the heat came on yeah. And it would come back to the thermostat. So that was the first realization. We have like a, a natural happiness level that we tend to gravitate to. And if, if things get too happy out there, we'll bring it back down. Or if things get too gray, we'll bring it back up. Um, and you might think, oh, shit, I'm stuck at this low happiness level I inherited from my Swedish grandparents, you know. <laughs> um, but fortunately, we have the power to adjust the thermostat. Uh, and that's the if you don't get anything else from this time we spend together, uh, the idea that you can adjust the thermostat of your happiness level and raise that set point uh, is a key thing. So this is like talking about comfort zones in a certain way. I, I don't I haven't heard anybody talk about that in a long time, the, the term comfort zones. But it seems like what you're talking about, this thermostat, this adjustment in the in setting the point, is kind of like if people get too happy, they'd get uncomfortable, like they wouldn't know who they are. Yeah, I think there is something like that. And until you turn the thermostat up and like stretch yourself and your uh, happiness range to be comfortable in that uh, higher happiness level, you might feel a little uncomfortable. Uh, and I think that's the kind of thing that happens when when people get in a ha happy situation. That there's part of them that self sabotages uh, things to bring it back down. I so mean, it's the same thing with with people do with money. I think. You know, yes, if yes. they think they should earn a certain amount and then suddenly they're making more, they'll find some way to make less. Or they'll just spend so much that they'll the, the net effect will be zero, zero-sum gain. Right. Yeah, they, if, they get a raise and, and spend it. So how people do that, the thing you're talking about, do you mean the thing like they say, oh, I'm so happy, and then they're waiting for the other's shoot of drop? That would be a uh, very useful thought to bring your happiness level down. In fact, there's a whole myriad of thoughts people go through worrying and um, thinking of overanalyzing things that will bring their happiness down. And so if things are going too good, they might do exactly that. Personally, I think kicking off your shoes would probably be a better solution. <laughs> I think kicking off your shoes would be a great solution. So what a, what a, so. So how do you work with these people? I mean, it seems like some people are, I mean, probably most people are relatively stuck. They say that um, even when somebody, ha I've heard, I heard this from a, from a stockbroker, that even when somebody wins the lottery or they gain a huge inheritance and they're really flush for the first time in their life, they'll spend most of it within the first period of time, like maybe the first year. Because they can't stand the idea that they're 
over the top. They'll do that, or they'll give it away to people, or or the other common thing people do is they kind of freeze and they they don't even spend any of it, as though they didn't deserve to have the extra money. What do so, you? Th- the person, the people that just come to mind. I mean, the minute we're saying this, who comes to mind are people like Elvis. People like Michael Jackson. I mean, I don't really want to carry on all the conversation about Michael Jackson, but it seems Michael who? <laughs> Michael, Michael, Michael. It also like Jim Morrison, uh, Janis Joplin. Some of the any of these stars that have faded away at, at an inappropriate time, at a, at too early a time in their life. I think that what we're talking about has something to do with this as well. Like they got all these goodies, they got all the applause, they got so much power, they were on the stage, they could twang a guitar string and the world would go, oh, and that didn't bring these people happiness. Unfortunately not. In fact, it brought a lot of them stress and deep unhappiness that they drowned in drugs and alcohol. And, um, you know, it's very hard if you don't feel... If you haven't done the inner spiritual work to grow, it's hard to accept all these millions of people uh, focusing their attention on you and admiring you. Right, right. So what? So what do you do? What do you, what, where would you start? Where do you start with people? To- well, I, I think the first thing is to to have a desire to change, have a recognition of, okay, I'm not as happy as I want to be, and this is something I'd actually like to work on. And that's a big step for a lot of people because um, although in the United States we have the Constitution that, uh, you know, it's life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, a lot of people are a little confused on that pursuit word and they think they're supposed to chase after happiness for their entire life. Whereas if you look back, um, you know, into the 1700s when uh, that Constitution was written, pursuit meant like a job. Your job was to be happy. Well, that's a totally different interpretation of pursuit of happiness. I love that. I so love you saying that. Who would have so thought? So I think I think our job is to be happy, and uh, but that may take some adjustment to decide. Hey, I'm going to focus on happiness because so many people, uh, you know, a lot of w- women I know, they like to sacrifice themselves for other people, their families, uh, or in their office that they work. Um, you know, even though we say we're pursuing happiness, a lot of times if you if you kind of had a little timer that went off during the day every 15 minutes and you ask yourself am i happy right now i think you'd be surprised by the result well i don't know to me tantra what i mean in my study of tantra i've become inherently happy there's there's not many times that i'm not happy even if i'm in the middle of a drama even if something just went wrong and Mm -hmm. and the other shoe did fall so what? It's relative. It's all, you know, it's, it's over. That, that drama is over as quickly as I want it to be over. I just have to, re, I have to either reinterpret or I have to take some action to make myself more comfortable. But it's really not, it's not out there. And it's not any of the circumstances or anything that I used to stress over. So how do people, and also, what is happiness, Michael? Well, that's a good question. I mean, for me, it's a sense of uh, inner joy, uh, contentment, bliss. Those are all words I describe uh, for it. And it's also um, something that doesn't feel fleeting. You know, it's not, uh, you know, I eat some ice cream and I feel like 
an increase in my level of happiness, but it's not really something I want to do 24 hours a day, kind of spooning ice cream so into my glad. mouth. I'm so glad to hear you say that. Yeah, I wouldn't fit into my jeans anymore if I did that. <laughs> so, yeah, it's not but, sleeping. But it's- if, if you look at uh, what a lot of folks do to be happy, it's pursuing external things, whether it's food or career goals or money or getting the next car that they need. And sure, having a nice new car brings some, I get some happiness out of that, but it's kind of a fleeting thing. And after a a few months, I don't feel quite as happy about getting into that car. You know, I remember I bought a red sports car once. Actually, I've owned two red sports cars. And I thought I would really be hot. You know, I thought the red sports car would increase my desirability, increase my sex appeal, increase my happiness. And they didn't. They just simply didn't. I mean, I drive a white Honda CRV now. Who cares about a red sports car? But I, I really bought into that notion that there would be some external acknowledgement of my, of something I was seeking internally. I mean, I'm really an example of that. Well, and that's a very common trap in our society. Um, you know, this whole industry, billions of dollars of money is spent on advertising to convince you that if only you had this red sports car, if only you used this deodorant, or if only you used the right tampon, you'd be happy. So, Or if I got my breasts enlarged, my lips injected, and if I had three or four face lips, lifts and liposuction. Well, maybe your uh, cosmetic surgeon will be happy, at least in a few <laughs> months, but... I don't know that you'd be happy. Right, right. So, you know, those are all examples of being happy for, for uh, you know, other reasons, but not for no reason. You know, you might be happy for good reason because you did some great work on a project and it was completed. That would be a good reason, in my opinion, to be happy. You might be happy for bad reasons, like you just ate all that ice cream or drank a whole quart of liquor or whatever, which have damaging effects on, on your health. Right. Uh, or, you know, maybe, you know, you might be unhappy, but I think those, these are in a hierarchy and the, the place to get to is being happy for no reason because then it doesn't matter what's happening outside, uh, you can still be happy. And the bonus on this is that, in my experience, when I am happy for no reason, I start attracting good things into my life. So if you're into the law of attraction, it makes more sense to be happy to start with, uh, and then better things come into you anyway. So you... You don't need to get the happiness on the inside. You get some, you know, the external validation as well. Do you remember the singer Donovan? I, I don't. I'm too young to remember Donovan. Okay. Well, <laughs> well, Donovan sang a song that the words were, happiness runs in a circular motion. Life is like a little boat upon the sea. Everybody is a part of everything anyway. You can have everything if you let yourself be. Wow, he was a genius. <laughs> Maybe to he me, could run for president. <laughs> and speaking of that, where's the Department of Happiness in our government, you know? Well, it would be so great to have the Department of Happiness. It, it could work with the Department of Peace. Right, right. Wow. So, so what do you do? A person, somebody's depressed. They come to you. They come to a class with you because you have a lot of classes you teach. You're a Shambhala educator. You you teach all kinds of things. You run the sandbox thing where people express themselves. You 
make presentations at the Beltane Festival, the Dark Odyssey. So if somebody is depressed and they're sitting in front of you, what do you do? Well, I first want to know that they actually wanted some help. I'm not going to mess around, uh, you know, with their life by giving them advice if that's not what they're interested in. You've got to have some, you know, some desire to change your situation. Um, so I think one of the first things I might look at is uh, often when I'm depressed, there are all kinds of thoughts running through my head. I'm like a bad person or something terrible is going to happen. And uh, one of the things you can do there is question whether those thoughts are true. Sometimes the thoughts we have in our head aren't true. I know that's hard to believe, right? Uh, not for me. <laughs> <laughs> I say to myself sometimes, or to you even, this isn't the truth. This is just an opinion that's swimming around in my head right now. Well, this is a really big thing to get, that I am not my thoughts. Because there's a part of us, our ego, who's like really important and like our thoughts are really it. And they, you know, that's all there is. And there's a part, our soul or our spirit or whatever you want to call it, that uh, that it just isn't true for. Um, and, you know, how many times have I in the past worried about something and then it didn't happen? Uh, you probably never had that happen to you, right? Oh, no, I, I used to worry a lot about a lot of things. I, well, how I was, many, how I many was, of those things came true? Uh, very few of them. Actually, very few of them, although I did manifest some of them because I kept focusing on them. I mean, I know a bit about the law of attraction, and I know that I would say something like, I don't want another relationship like the last one. And I would keep focusing on the last one, and I would get more of the same. Right. So it 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 is good to to question your thoughts and to shift your thoughts. And um, there's some great techniques on that. I don't know if you've come across the Bar and Katie uh, work, but there's a whole. Uh, she's written several books uh, on this. And uh, but the basic idea is to question those thoughts and. Uh, think about are they true? Could they, you know, are they absolutely true? And how do I feel when I think this thought? And how do I feel when I think the opposite of the thought? You know, some thoughts are useful. Some thoughts help us be happier. Some thoughts are not useful and they make us more depressed. I know which thoughts I'm going to choose. Wow. And I, we do have choice in the thoughts we have. You know, thoughts come into our, our minds, but they don't have to control. And one of the things I found is, um, you know, through meditating, it, it helps to be able to let go of some of those thoughts. I mean, uh, I know when I first started meditating, I'm like, am I doing this right? And I don't think I'm doing this right. I keep having thoughts. I'm sort of having an empty mind when I meditate, right? Right. Which it's not the case at all. It's more a question of observing and noticing the thoughts and not being so attached to them. So instead of me being the busy clouds rushing through the sky, I become the blue sky that there happen to be a few clouds that occasionally pass through it. But when that thought comes into my head, I say, hey, thank you for coming and just let it go on its way instead of, like, obsessing on it and having it go round and round and round in my head. That's very, very helpful advice. That's really, really, in that analogy about the blue sky and the clouds passing through, that's, that's very helpful. I really, it's valuable. It's simple, and it's so valuable for people to be able to understand that they, they're not their thoughts and they can have their thoughts and then let them go, just like having the ice cream, and then letting it go, not having it all day long. So the ability to, to not obsess on something, to, to just ha you know be able to have a, a, a little bit of sense of humor with yourself. 
know, oh, there I go, having that depressing thought again. That's great. And well, go ahead, sorry. And that's, you know, if, if you've done uh, emotional freedom technique or EFT, which is, you know, you can read about it online. If you just Google emotional freedom technique, you'll find it. Um, there's some free websites about it. Um, a lot of that is involved in, in collapsing and letting go of uh, thoughts and beliefs that are not not serving us. Um, so that's another technique. You were asking, what would I do if someone came yeah, to me and yeah. wanted help shifting? That's, uh, you know, those are several techniques. Questioning your thoughts, um, doing some meditating, even if it's only for a minute. Even if you can only meditate for a minute, uh, that's a great thing. Maybe getting out into nature is another way. I know a lot of people find that's a way to help raise their happiness level. Um, because, to be honest, uh, we live in a uh, society where there are all kinds of smoke and clouds being pumped into our blue sky every day. You know, they say we receive thousands of messages every day through advertising and news and other things. And if you ever stop to look at those messages, they're not always that positive. No. In fact, I would say 99% of them are negative. They're not. Well, a lot. Of, a big way to keep yourself happy is to not pay attention to those messages. I stopped reading the newspaper. I went on a newspaper diet during the Vietnam War. I don't. I've never ordered the newspaper since. And I don't make it a practice to watch the news because I think it's it's it, it hooks me when I watch it and I get really down. I well, it's designed to hook us. You yeah. know, it, it what they say in journalism: if it bleeds, it leads. <laughs> right. and, um, typically, most uh, news and advertising is fear-based, and that's the hook they use. They use fear and violence and uh, drama to hook us into whatever it is they're selling, whether they're selling us watching the 6 o'clock news or selling us what buying whatever product they're selling. The red and, scar. You know, this wouldn't be too bad if it was all at a conscious level, but a lot of this is done through subconscious manipulation and imagery. Well, um, and you almost don't notice these dark clouds being pumped into your sky, and before you know it, you're like in this dark hellhole of negative, swirling uh, thoughts buying as many things as you can to keep yourself as happy as you can make yourself while you're really underneath depressed and sad. Right, under the circumstances. Well, we're going to need to pause there for a moment. If you have just tuned in, you're listening to Tantra Cafe, a program for spiritual enlightenment, and I'm Laurie Hammers, your host. I'm speaking today with my guest, Michael Smith, who's an expert on happiness for no reason. And we'll be right back with that thought. We'll, we'll find out more about it. I'm wondering what book you should read to jumpstart your sex life and increase your happiness. How about trying my book, Sex and Happiness, The Tantric Laws of Intimacy. This short, easy-to-read book will make you laugh at yourself and possibly even make you cry as you discover my tantric secrets for happiness and how they apply to you. In the book, I begin with the tenth law, make love in the unknown. And then we work you all the way back through laws one through nine to teach you how to be in the unknown fresh every moment, every day. Sex and happiness puts the innocence and love back into sex and gives Tantra the respect it deserves. It's only $19.99 in paperback and $14.99 as an ebook. Go to sexandhappiness.com to get your copy of Sexy and Happiness by me, Laurie Handlers. All right, well, we're back, and my guest 
Today is Michael Smith, who hosts the Sandbox Explorations in the Washington, D.C. area, where people learn about honesty, tantra, and personal growth in a safe sandbox. Michael presents many different workshops, and today he's really giving us his expertise about happiness for no reason. So, Michael, how does all of this, how does, we, we left on this swirl of negative thoughts that could be produced by watching the news or reading the newspaper, etc. How does, how does any of this re- relate to Tantra, by the way? Well, I think the ability to be in the current moment and to be present with yourself or with other people is a great antidote uh, to being in your mind and receptive to all those dark thoughts swirling around. So that would be my thought on that. Well, what's your thought on that, Laurie? Well, I think that Tantra, I never expected, when I first took a class on Tantra, I don't even know what I expected, to be honest with you. I went to um, it, I was very... And let me just interrupt you there to say, not having expectations is a great aid to being happier. Yeah. Uh, because when we have expectations, they <laughs> not, you know, they could not appear quite as we expect them to, and then we get ticked off. Right. Instead of being open to what's right there in front of us, which might actually be better than what we expected. Yes, for sure. In my life, I know that to be the case, for sure. So I was in a very low point, exactly what you described in the beginning, a very, very low point. I had left my job at Landmark Education, where I thought I was going to be forever. I had broken up with a relationship with somebody that was very dear to me, and yet it wasn't working. It, I wasn't happy. I, I, just, I said, okay, I'm making a clean break. So I made a break, and then I, I, I didn't know what to do with myself, really. I kind of worked out every day. I made sure to go in the hot tub. I took care. Actually, I bought the book by Andrew Wheel, the Eight Weeks to Optimal Health book, and I started doing one or two or three things from that book in each chapter to start making myself feel better. One of the things he suggested was to go on a news fast. So I was I was ahead of the ball because I hadn't watched the news or read the paper in a very, very long time. Vietnam was a long time ago. But I did that kind of stuff, and then somebody said to me, take this Tantra class, it might make you feel better. And I took it. I just took it sight unseen. So I really didn't have an expectation, but I knew it had something to do with sex. And I was really hoping that we wouldn't have an orgy there and that I wouldn't know anyone there in case we did. And we didn't. And we, I, and I did. <laughs> I knew some people there. We didn't have an orgy. I really got in touch with my inner self, myself as a, as a being in this universe. That I'm, that who I am, not as Laurie Handler's, but who I am as my part, the part I am in this, in this big thing. I don't know. It just calmed me down, and it started me on this path of wanting to do more and more. I learned many, many breathing techniques. I studied as much as I could about it. I read as much as I could about it. I went to as many workshops as I could. And lo and behold, I started getting happier and happier with no thing from the outside being able to influence me. So I didn't expect that. I didn't know that was there. I I actually have had less sex since I've been a Tantra teacher. And, and sex, actually, on the outside doesn't really make me happy. It does stimulate hormones and things inside me that create a happiness response, 
part of my learning to be happy was to be orgasmic. But it's not the whole picture. So that's and, what I have to say. Well, thank you for sharing. And I think for me, sex sometimes can become a little obsessive. And uh, you mentioned going on a news fast. Um, last year, I went on a, a, a sex fast for, uh, I think it was a couple of months. And given that I used to have sex at least at least once a day, either with myself or someone else, um, that was quite a uh, challenge, I say. And um, I don't know if you've ever had a, a pet cat who was in, in heat and was kept backing into furniture because he didn't quite know what to do with herself. Well, that's how I felt. But uh, after a while, things calmed down. And now I'm not using sex as a uh, way to get out of... Uh, you know, I get out of my mind. Um, not that I, you know, don't get present when I'm having sex, but I, I think I was using it sort of like some people use drinking or, or food. Right. So it's good to get present with, with things and not have expectations. Um, it's, it's great. Now, you mentioned you, you went to a Tantra class, which is a great thing. I mean, you know, Tantra's not for everyone. I know you'd love it to be for everyone, but... Um, and I'm not, you know, anything that involves the body and being in the present moment, whether it's taking a walk or doing yoga or swimming. And, and you mentioned breath as well, Laurie. And I think that is, uh, you know, that sounds like such a fundamental thing. We wouldn't even mention it. But a lot of us don't even breathe in our stomach. And so maybe right now would be a good time for everyone listening to this just to take a deep breath. Okay. And let your belly button go down as far to your spine as it will go. Let it out. Maybe take another one in and let out a sigh. And let's just take one more deep breath and let it out. And just see if we notice any difference in how we're feeling just from taking three deep breaths. And that's something that everyone can do. It's free. It only takes uh, a minute to do, and it makes so much difference to how I feel. I felt different immediately, by the way. I just released some tension. That was in my neck, and I released some tension that I was holding maybe in my chest. So, yes, it works. It works right away, immediately. It's a, it's it's better than any substance. Just Absol the breath. Absolutely. Breath, it's free, and it, it, it's very effective. So um, that's another thing I'd, I'd encourage anyone who's feeling stressed is uh, do something that creates, you know, either do, do deep breathing yourself, or do it meditatively, or do singing, or uh, dancing. Um, these are all great ways to get into happiness. And I, I know for myself, even if I'm feeling kind of draggy in the morning, if I make myself do like a, a dance DVD um, for 10 minutes, you know, I'll feel so much different at the end of it. That's beautiful. Now, let, let me ask you, how can people get in touch with you? Like, you do run workshops in the D.C. area. Do you run workshops anywhere else? Um, mostly in the Washington DC area. Sometimes I'm, you know, at various festivals and conferences elsewhere. Um, but people can get in touch with me by the telephone, which works pretty good. And you can find my info on my website, which is abundantmichael.com. So that's all one word, abundantmichael.com. And you can read all about me and, uh, my contact info is there and you can sign up for my blog and, um, see what events I'm doing. And if you're in Washington, D.C. area, you're always welcome to come to the Sandbox where people can play in a safe space, um, you know, where their boundaries will be respected and uh, they have a chance to grow and learn. 
So a little bit about that, the sandbox, because the sandbox came as an outgrowth of some of the work that I was doing in Washington, D.C. Yeah, it did. Um, there was a whole group of people, uh, you know, the primary ones that come to mind are, are David and Gail Hollies. Right. And they were planning some uh, tantric events, uh, best events, um, which were, you know, group massage events. And uh, they got together for dinner to plan these events. And pretty soon the dinners were happening every week. And, and it's like, well, maybe we should just keep on having the dinners. And, if, you know, if the events happen, that's great. But it became a tradition to have this, uh, you know, tantra-focused uh, dinner party. And uh, then some of you may know uh, David, uh, his health has declined. And, right. uh, you know, he and Gail chose not to continue hosting that. And I... Uh, picked up uh, hosting the events at my place. Um, there are some other people in the D.C. area that also host Sandbox events, so particularly David Egan in uh, the Baltimore area. So um, they're a very uh, welcoming and uh, open place um, and a great place to express yourself in a, in a uh, safe way. And if you want to try on the idea of some of these uh, happiness practices uh and you're afraid that you know if you did this in the office you might get uh the wrong you know wrong impression which i don't think would really happen but you know people sometimes like to take baby steps um then this is a safe place to try some different things so so there's and there's a lot of people now so there's a lot of people exploring all these notions boundaries happiness tantra uh what what it is what to be happy, what it is to add to their happiness. About how many people are doing this in the D.C. area? Would you, do you know? Uh, well, I'm imagining there are tens of thousands of people in the D.C. area, but the ones I, I know about 250 on the sandbox uh, mailing list. So, right. Um, and then there's another whole few hundred who are on my uh, email newsletter that I send out every month. So. But I, I know, you know, this is not the only group in D.C. doing this. There are other groups doing similar things. Um, so, you know, anywhere where there are people who are interested in spirit but not coming from it from like a, uh, a rigid uh, guilt uh, perspective, which a lot of traditional religions uh, have focused on in the past, and, I you know, I hope that's changing as we move forward, uh, you know, into the age of Aquarius. Uh, are a good place to, to look at some of this stuff. Um, like Unity Churches sometimes are good for this, or if you have a local pagan group, or you know maybe some other gathering of spiritual folks. Like there's a um, community here called the Community for Spiritual Living that meets in Virginia. And they have a very open uh, spiritual basis to, to things. Well, I never knew what the, those, their initials... I mean, I'm on their mailing list, but I never knew that that's what their initials stood for. Right, and and actually you might be interested in that because that was based on this Shalom Mountain process that really is pretty similar to that uh, Tantra CD that you sent me uh, with the shamanic breath work and releasing emotions. Um, you really? know, one one of the things that stops us being happy is if we have stuck emotions in our body. Um, they just get in the way of, of uh, feeling good physically and also in, in processing emotions. It's easy to just get stuck. Um, doing the same old thing every day and, um, you know, not processing the, the energy in us. I mean, emotions are energy in motion. They're supposed to move. And if I block them in my body or in my throat by not expressing myself, 
then uh, there's going to be some problems, you know. Well, just on that note, we're just going to take a pause for a quick moment. And if you've just tuned in to hear us, I'm Laurie Handlers, the host of Tantra Cafe, a program for spiritual enlightenment. And my guest today is Michael Smith, who's giving us some really common sense, although I'm not sure that everybody has the same common sense. He's giving us some common sense tips on being happy all the time, things like breath. Things like stopping watching negative things like the news. So if you've just tuned in, this is Tantra Cafe. And Michael Smith is really giving us practical, practical strategies to increase the happiness in our lives. So, Michael, as we round down this part of the show, look to see, I mean, for me, what you just said about the emotions being stuck, and needing to move them. I always tell people that the emotions are like weather. It moves in and moves out. So it could be sunny right now. Well, I'm in Phoenix, so it's pretty sunny every day. But I, one day it rained a couple of weeks ago. I ran outside to do yoga in the rain because I was so happy that there was a change. So for most people, though, they want blue sky. It seems that they want blue sky all the time. They get really flipped out if the clouds roll in, if it's a rainy day or a snowy day or there's a hurricane coming. People get very worried and scared about all those things. And yet, right after a devastating hurricane, the sun comes out again. So it, for me, it's, it's like saying to people, this is how your emotions are. You have hurricanes sometimes. You might even have a tsunami. And after that, your sun can shine again. How quickly do you want to move that? What do you think? Well, and it's it's not just that we have uh, rainy weather. It's the obsessing about it. It's the worrying, will it be rainy tomorrow? And then thinking back into the past, oh, it was rainy yesterday. Instead of just focusing on the sun that's shining today or enjoying the rain that's falling. You know, it's actually possible to enjoy rain. Um, I know that's a hard concept, but... I love rain. I love rain. <laughs> yeah. So um, the other uh, other thing I just want to mention, when I first uh, went on a news fast and I stopped reading the newspaper, and, and I have to say I was a, a news junkie. I used to read the Washington Post for an hour a day. I felt I had, if I didn't read every single article, I'd somehow be behind on current affairs. And I, I've subsequently discovered it really doesn't matter to who's what is going on in the paper or on the TV or on NPR. Um, if anything happens that really is important, other people will talk about it, and I'll hear about it. That's right. And the truth is 99.9% of the things in the paper don't affect me directly whatsoever. You know, um, no disrespect to all those people, but it, it really doesn't affect me. Um, and the other thing I know from on, being on the other side of the journalistic fence is that newspapers and magazines and news programs are usually pretty hungry for news, and when someone sends them a press release, they're pretty likely to print it or, or air it more or less as is, um, which means if you look closely at the news, you'll see that either a government agency or a company or some nonprofit has, uh, you know, pushed this news angle, and they've got an axe to grind. So it's not even like, quotes news anyway. It's manufactured. Um, anyway, what I wanted to say is uh, when I first... Uh, stopped reading the paper. Um, a coach I had at the time 
suggested that uh, instead of reading the paper, why don't I read this book called Pro Neuer, which is by uh, Rob Breesney. Uh, and um, I don't know if you've come across Pro Neuer. It's basically the opposite of paranoia. So paranoia is the fear that everyone's out to get you. Pro Neuer is the uh, belief that everyone is out to support you. And the universe is here to support you. Um, I and it, totally love that. Yeah, and this is a book, he writes like a daily column in some newspaper out in, I, I don't know if it's Arizona or New Mexico, somewhere out there. Um, but he had all these like news stories, but they were all positive and about how things were going good. And it was just uh, both interesting as a replacement for the paper to read that, but also just to get that idea in your head that, yeah, the universe is out to support me because that's a great belief for more happiness. That's just fantastic. You know, I've heard of the book, but I never read it, so I'm going to get a copy of that. Pro Noia. Yeah, and it's a big book. It's like an ele- uh, eight and a half by eleven book with like 300 pages and lots of wacky cartoons and images. It's a lot of fun, and there's a lot of neat ideas in there. So let's uh, let's summarize a little bit. If somebody, again, you know, some, well, I I don't know. I just it it just dawned on me that. Many people that I know are addicted, just like you were saying that you used sex in a certain way. So many people are addicted to suffering. They, they wouldn't know what to do. They wouldn't know who they were if they weren't complaining about something or if they weren't the victim of something. So what do you do when somebody's so entrenched? And, but they come to you and they say, Michael, I want to get happier. I want happiness in my life. What do you do? Well, I think the first step is just to notice uh, what their behavior is for themselves. Can I see myself? I'm not going to stop myself complaining, uh, you know, immediately. Um, but could I just notice every time I complain and see how much I do that in a day and see how much other people around me complain and, uh, you know, do some keeping track of that and also notice how do I feel, you know, when I do complain? Does it help me feel happy uh, or does it produce other emotions so that's the thought I'd have on the uh, complaining and um, certainly the the other thing to do I've done um, in the uh, company I've run is uh, you know have a gratitude list so that's something where you just keep think track of things that you're grateful for so you mean that people actually wait a minute you do this in a company I do. I run a software company when I'm not coaching people and, uh, you know, healing people. I run a software company. One of the things we did is we had this, we made a list that had a thousand items on it and we left it at the uh, receptionist desk. And just with the suggestion that, you know, everyone who came into the office, whether an employee or the UPS man or or whatever, uh, write down some things you're grateful for. And, you know, after a few months, we had a thousand things on that list. So, um, and more importantly, it helped strengthen. It was like a workout for our gratitude muscle. You know, we're used to going to the gym to to work out to improve our abs or our biceps. What about improving some of our spiritual muscles by, uh, you know, doing a few repetitions of some gratitudes every day? I love that idea. I just, lo- you know, I t- well, one of my colleagues, Tini Dakini, showed me this trick once. She showed me, we did a muscle testing where our, we held our cell phones 
and then we did a kinesiology and pushed the arm down, like the arm, the cell phone, the the vibration of the cell phone, the broadcast from the cell phone, whatever, lowered the energy, the container, I guess, of our energy. And then we wrote love and gratitude on a little sticky and put it on the battery of the cell phone and then closed the cell phone back again. And then when we did the applied kinesiology, pushing the arms down to see if there was any difference in our energy field, our arms were really strong mm-hmm. based on writing love and gratitude. That's, this is kind of like that water, the, the message in the water from Dr. Emoto from Japan. Well, so, and I'm thinking of the scene from What the Bleep Do We Know, the movie where she finally uh, gets that she needs to love herself. She gets a uh, pen and starts putting I love you all over her body. Yeah, what a beautiful scene. That was fantastic. Please, everybody, see what the bleep do we know. What a great film. Yeah, like that. So now all my emails, my phone on the battery has love and gratitude. My computer has love and gratitude on it. Just written on it. It's not It's it's not one of these special bio pro things that keeps the computer out of your energy field, but it's just writing love and gratitude in every single email and every single thing that has to do with technology, and it does change the effect of the energy on my energy body. So, well, and doing that on the food and water we drink, you know, expressing love for the water. Right? Some people write lo- love on their water bottle. Um, you know, blessing the food that we eat and expressing, you know, gratitude that it came to us. And for the plants and animals that it came from, um, you know, I think that's a helpful thing to do too. Because it, first of all, I think it's nice to do for the food. You know, it gave up its life so we can, we can, you know, we can live. But um, secondly, just to focus on the, so much we're grateful for, because often when we get into that negative spin, you know, we're always thinking about well, what's complaining and poor me. And in reality, I would say most of the time, my life is wonderful. You know, I have a roof over my head. I have a car that I can drive. I've got a nice bed to sleep in. You know, if I just look around, there's hundreds of things to be grateful for. And I know when I've traveled, um, you know, around the world to like India, the people there are still, often people there are actually happier than the people here. Cause, Much uh, happier. That's why I go to India, because the people there are happy. Um, and the effect going to India and China had on me was realizing, wow, I am really so well off and affluent. Um, And it's not like I'm a millionaire here, though maybe I will be one day, but uh, it's realizing there are people living who just, you know, they don't have a roof over their head. They don't have a regular meal. They don't have a whole closet full of clothes that they could choose to wear or not. So... Um, it gave me a, a much greater perspective on my own life. And you have both kinds of clothes. I have at least two closets. I think I have three. So, <laughs> yeah, I've got two two closets of female clothes and <laughs> one smaller closet of male clothes. Um, and some of the clothes just can go either way. So right, right. Um, well, Michael. This is uh, this has been a fabulous interview. I just want to summarize a little bit, you know, or maybe you could summarize a little bit. There's yeah, I'd be happy to summarize yeah. uh, a little bit, and you can chip in wherever you feel you need to. Um, basically, the idea is being uh, happy from the inside uh, rather than happy from the outside. Uh, 
which um, you know I call Happy for No Reason. And there's a book of the same title called Happy for No Reason by Marcy Shimoff, which you guys can check out if you're interested, or there's a website for it. And the idea is that you can control your own happiness level and increase your happiness thermostat so that your natural set point for happiness goes up. And I think some of the key things to do is to get some of those uh, thoughts out of your head, declutter your mind of all the negative uh, stuff, whether you do a news fast or you do some meditating or exercise or breathing, um, and do some focusing uh, on happiness. And, and happiness is a, a full-time job, I would say. So uh, good luck to you in improving your happiness level, and uh, may you get a happiness raise in the next month. And uh, I don't know if you had anything to add to that, Laurie? I think that was such a clear sound. I loved, I just loved the idea of it. I loved the way that that we could control the happiness factor. And I, I, I don't think that's really your boss to... calling, telling you getting a happiness raise, Laurie. <laughs> Possibly. I, I'm always up for a happiness raise, and my life is pretty, pretty happy. And coming so, back to the breathing, you know, when a phone rings, that's an opportunity to take at least one deep breath before you pick up the phone. You know, let it ring twice, for God's sake, you know. That's great. That's great, Michael. So we are on the moment of ending with Tantra Cafe. I'm Laurie Handlers, your host. My guest today has been Michael Smith. You can reach him at AbundantMichael.com. You can find out about his events in the Washington, D.C. area, and you can also hire him for a conference. There's many, many things that he's talented in, and you will find that out at his website. Michael, it's been my pleasure to have you. Thank you for being on Tantra Cafe and really increasing the happiness in my life and the lives of my guests. Well, thank you, Laurie. You have a great rest of your day. Thank you. Namaste from Tantra Cafe.